Hello everybody and welcome back to the Future of Internal Communication podcast. We're on a brand new series. This is series five, episode one. And I'm Kat Barnard, as ever. I'm joined by Dominic Waters and Jen Sproul. And today we've got a special guest. We are going to be having a conversation with Andrew Try, who is the Chief Executive of Comexo, a boutique provider of outsourced integrated business services and technologies for hybrid and distributed workforces. Now, Andrew and I have known each other, I think coming up for about five years. Um, We have had a number of illuminating conversations about the future of work, the impact of emergent technologies on workplaces and organizational structures. And um, I'm particularly interested in the conversations I have with Andrew because he leads a team I think somewhere in the region of 100. I know he will clarify that for me shortly, but um, he's always embraced the role of good work in communities and society. And I know that he leads a multi-generational workforce. And as such, that's the topic that we want to dig into today. We want to better understand from a pro what role communication plays in intergenerational working and uh, just understand a bit more about Andrew's experience in that regard. So, Andrew, welcome. Uh, hi, Kat, and uh, what a pleasure it is to be with you this afternoon. And uh, hi, Dom, and uh, hi, Jen. Um, so a little bit of background about Comexo and, and what we do. Well, you know, a nice introduction from yourself, Kat, integrated business service. What are, what are those? Well, in uh, these days of uh, hybrid distributed workforces, Uh, That is anything that helps an organization function better in those situations. Uh, We started off providing switchboard uh, back in the day. That was our our, our mainstay. Uh, What does that mean? Taking calls on behalf of large organizations and enabling people who are trying to get into that organization uh, to speak to somebody, enabling them to do so. Um, And uh, we talk about... uh, uh, taking friction out of that process. So uh, making sure that uh, we understand what a value call is, uh, uh, what uh, our clients think a value call is, and then making sure that those particular calls get through, not to a voicemail, but to a person. So communication is at the heart of, of what we do. Uh, but of course, uh, not only being a, a technology sort of centered business, but we're a people business. And we work uh, 24 hours a day around the clock and have been doing for the last 25 years. So your point uh, about us uh, being multi-generational, uh, we certainly are. And, uh, you know, we, we over those years have uh, employed uh, a, a very large number of, of people across the, the age uh, bracket. Uh, currently, we have about 110 people. So uh, so that that's uh, that's what we do. Awesome. Well, I feel kind of vindicated that my guesstimate was pretty on point there. And I know that when we've had our conversations in the past, I know you're very passionate about taking school leavers and, and providing career scaffolding to to bring people into the world of work and so on. But I also know that you know when we talk about um, intergenerational working, I know in some of our conversations in the past, you've talked about some of your colleagues who are who are to all intents and purposes into their retirement years and come to work because they love being part of a work community and continuing to have some kind of you know structure and purpose and, and, and so on to their day. So 
tell me, um, in your experience of of um, leading the team, um, have you ever, you know, what's your experience been? Have you ever had any frictions, or has it all been plain sailing? Or well, uh, it's. So I uh, read an awful lot about the different generations, Generation X, Generation Y, Baby Boomers, Millennials, uh, and that each one of those generations has a different requirement. Uh, my uh, particular uh, experience is that across the cross-section of people that we have hired over the years is that it's all about individual needs it's very difficult to put people into a category and say all of those people uh have this type of requirement um people's needs differ um and what a company like ourselves we need to do is we have needs as a business as well and we need to make sure that our needs as a business and our employees needs as individuals work in harmony um, and we put that down when they do work together. That is what I would call a positive uh, culture. Um, and of course, people's needs change around all sorts of things, don't they? They change around the stage of life that you're in. Uh, they change around the ambitions that you have. They change around what your view of success is. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I've got some young people whose view of success uh, is getting out of uh, the house where they share with their mum and dad and getting into a flat. And then after they've been into a flat, into a house and after a house, you know, uh, whatever that might be. You know, some of the young lads that, that we employ, they want a car, you know, and it, a flash car, something to look good. Um, and so it, it, it also uh, it changes around a contribution, how you feel you contribute to uh, a particular workplace. It changes around the enjoyment that you get um, from a, a particular job, uh, the, how, how fulfilled you are. Um, and of course, um, what, what that sort of, um, uh, you know, what the purpose of the organisation, what your purpose is and, and whether those two purposes align. Um, so I've got different uh, people. If I, if I take, for instance, um, you know, one of my uh, a recent hire, I've got a, a chap who is in his mid-60s. And he used to have a very high-powered uh, job um, managing a very large workforce uh, in uh, the taxi business. Uh, we knew him at Comexo because we do a lot of taxi bookings. Um, and uh, we used to deal with him 10-plus uh, years ago. Anyway, he called, he called me up and he said, Andrew, just after the whole pandemic, um, I don't want to go back to that, uh, you know, that high-powered thing. I'm in my, I'm in my 60s. I want to... I want to just have a job that I'm interested in. I want to work with uh, interesting people. I want to do something that is purposeful and keeps me busy. And quite frankly, I'm not ready to retire, but I, I want to do something where I feel like I'm contributing. And I said, well, Nigel, but you, you look at, you're way overqualified for on the phones taking uh, taxi bookings for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, partners, he said, no, I'm not, Andrew, I'm perfectly qualified. Not only that, it fits where I am in my life because once the day is over, I don't have to take it home. It's wonderful. I work a few hours for you. You pay me well. It's a great culture. And when it's finished, it's finished and I don't have any stress. He said it's absolutely perfect. So his needs are around keeping busy. His needs are around being purposeful, being involved in something interesting 
and making a little bit of money. Um, I've got um, a, another young uh, lad who's worked for me for, for some years. He is in his in his 40s. And uh, he's one of our, our best uh, operators from a, 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 a cultural perspective. Uh, all of our clients absolutely love him. He's also incredibly fast and brilliant. And um, during the pandemic, uh, his mother needed looking after and she's based in Norfolk. Now, he was based down near Windsor. And so he approached us and he said, look, my needs are is I need to go home and look after my mum. She can't go out because she, she gets COVID. She's got a very slim chance of making it through. There's nobody else in the family that can look after. I need to move to Norfolk and do my job there. Are, are you up for that? You know, I was like, well, hang on a moment. Traditionally, all of our people came from around the Windsor Datchet area and, and our culture is based on people coming together. But, but you're one of our best operators. I, I don't want to lose you, lose you. My needs as an organization is I want you. You're a fantastic guy. Um, but your needs are is that you need to be close to your mother. Can I make that work? Well, of course I can make it work. And so that is the two, the workforce and the workplace working in harmony. Um, and so it goes on. And, and as you know, Kat, we've had lots of conversations around this. Uh, it, it's about individuals. It's not about groups in a particular band, age band. You know, that's far too prosaic. Uh, you know, it, it's about what an individual needs. And what we as an organization need in trying to get some harmony amongst the two, uh, you know, that, that, that makes the, uh, the cogs go round. That's well, Andrew, a couple of things coming from what you've said. Firstly, that sounds very attractive. I might send you my CV. Um, but secondly, <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got these individuals with different requirements, different needs. So how do you then go about as a leader um, building and nurturing that engagement across these people with different needs, different age and stage, uh, different generation requirements. How do you do that? How do you get them all engaged? What's the, what are the key planks? Uh, well, that, so key, the first thing that we do is uh, we, we're a value-driven organisation. So our values, the four Ps, politeness, professionalism, proficiency, and personality, is we hire people who, uh, whose values are aligned to ours. Um, and you know, when we talk about politeness, it's not P's and Q's really. It's, it's respect, respect for the people you work for, the respect, respect for the environment you work in, respect for the community you're a part of, respect for the clients you work on behalf of. You know, it's about thinking about the world from a perspective of not yourself, but others. So usually when we're hiring, uh, you know, we, we will, uh, ask lots of questions around those values and make sure that the people coming into the organization are aligned. The second thing that we do is we do a lot of, um, I, I guess you'd call them psychometric tests. I don't particularly like that. We do two particular tests. One, one is called Strength Finder, and that is about, that's uh, a Gallup uh, system. You might have heard about it. I think it costs a tenner on the internet to do. Asks you 25 questions and then will tell you what your five top strengths are. It doesn't tell you what you're rubbish at. It only tells you what you are going to be good at. So we start off by saying, if we can align what you're really good at uh, through this test with um, what jobs we've got, we're pretty sure you're going to you know, be purposeful and enjoy and stuff like that. And then we do something uh, that we that is called, I think it's called, a, it's a character DNA or something. And uh, it, 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 uh, will tell you whether you are a 
uh, a red person, which is very to the point. Uh, lots of uh, leaders are very red. The most red person in the world, Donald Trump. You know, uh, bull in a china shop gets things, but gets things done. Yeah. Um, the uh, you know sometimes uh, I mean salespeople can be like that, and and some of them too red, not particularly nice people. You've got your blue people, very structured. They like Excel sheets. Lots of them are accountants, uh, organize or organizers. They're always a ticklist. They can get stuff done. They're a starter and a finisher. Uh, you've got your yellow person who is very creative. Uh, and then you've got your green person who's all about people. Um, and of course, we're all a combination of these things. You'll, you'll be very familiar. There's lots of different uh, ones of these tests. And, and we do that. And so we, we find out what a person, and as a right way through the organization, what a person is A, going to be good at, and B, what their natural inclinations are in terms of creativity, get stuff done, list ticking, uh, you know, and, and, and people centric. And, and then we say, right, if you put the two things together and we aim you at a particular job, we're pretty certain that that's going to click. So engagement starts from person, personalizing the job that they're about to do. If we start on that platform, I've always found you've got a jolly good chance that the person's going to be, uh, uh, you know, from, from your value perspective on the right bus and from a capability perspective in the right seat. Now, of course, we're only human. And we get it wrong all the time. And it's taken 30 years to, you know, come to, to getting it anywhere. But it's a good start. What it tells the individual, no matter what age they are, is we're interested in you. And so it's a good uh, it's a good foundation to start off with. A lot of these uh, uh, these guys who come in, uh, well, for starters, I will interview every single one of them. Only ten, usually five or ten minutes, trying to uh, work out whether that, those values are aligned. That's my that's my role. Um, but they they come into an organisation where they know that right from the very beginning, the managing director, the founder has sat with them for 10 minutes and asked them about themselves. What do you really like doing? You know, what are you going to be known for in a year's time? That's good. What do you, what should we never give you? Cause you're hopeless at that. You know, and I always, I'm hope I'm dyslexic. You know, don't forever, whatever you do, don't give me a spreadsheet to mull over for, for an hour and a half. Just, I'll do it, but I'm not going to be good at it. I'm bored and I'll probably do it very badly. And so trying to find out where people are going to prosper. Um, and that, I think that tells people right from the very beginning, we're interested in you as an individual. And then what we're going to try and do is craft the work roles that we've got around your best capabilities and try and make you successful. And, and that's always stood us in good stead. Uh, you know, that, that first introduction is we care about you as a person. Um, so I, th I think I think that it, you know that that's the, the I, I, I love the fact that you use the, the colors analysis because I'm a big big fan of that as well. Um, and I think one of the things it, it shows is people respond different things. So your red person is going to respond to being told what to do yes. and exactly why it's important. Your yellow person wants the big picture and a bit of excitement. So if you've got people with all these different styles and different needs, how have you approached? Uh, your messaging and, and how you lead them when it comes to the, how do you engage them all? Sorry, Andrew. How do you actually do something for every, everybody? Uh, so, uh, well, our business very difficult uh, to get everybody together because our business runs 24 hours a day. Uh, and the, the biggest hur you know, hurdle that I've had personally as a leader is to try and get everybody together and galvanize them as a whole. I can't get everybody in a one place and stand up there and go 
this is what we're going to do. This is the journey we're on, you know. Uh, uh, so we have to do it individually and we do it by strong teams. So we have a strong team culture where um, they will have the same values, but they will have uh, uh, maybe a different name for the team, maybe a different motto for the team. So for let me give you an example of that. Our night team work, you know, they work overnight, difficult job. You've got to have a very close sort of, uh, um, I was going to use the word brotherhood, but I, I mustn't, uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, because there's, you know, they're, they're, you know there's, there's different uh, genders, of course, uh, but they, they've, got to, they've got to be really strong together. They need to believe that what they do is purposeful. And some of the calls, uh, clients that we take calls on, particularly after hours, their escalation calls, that um, are very important. And some of them are life and death important. And they know that they cannot get those wrong. They have to follow a certain process. So A, we will hire into uh, a type of person who's very good at escalation will be a blue person, you know, a blue red. They get stuff done. They know they've got to do it. They, they, they're really competent. They're slightly perfectionist, uh, but they will follow a process through to the end. Um, and they all know that, you know, they're together and they, they, you know, might have a, a, a motto in the past of, you know, we'll, the night owls will never let you down, you know, sort of thing. And and so that builds a subculture that glues them together. Now, what I try and do as a leader is uh, when they do off-sites and away, and so we'll, we'll encourage uh, those teams to get together individually, you know, uh, at least once a month and then an off-site once a quarter somewhere where they can do some training, they can do some visioning, and I'll go in there and speak to them as a whole. Uh, so that's uh, the first thing together. Of course, we do... Um, town hall meetings like everybody else. And, and actually that's become easier on the video side of things, uh, during the pandemic. Uh, but we try and get people together, um, in person, uh, in, in the flesh. And, um, you know, we're, we're always coming up with ideas of how we do that because the, uh, the number of people coming to the office has changed over the last two years. It has been a, it's been a real challenge. Our culture used to be, uh, you know, last Friday of every month, we'd do a bake off. Everybody would bake something, bring it in. There'd be a competition with lots of dressing up. Uh, uh, fancy dress used to, you know, happen an awful lot. Um, and again, when you had those capabilities, it didn't matter whether you were 17 or 70. Everybody likes to get involved. Um, you know, the whole is doing it and therefore they would do it. So that has become quite, uh, that's become quite tricky. And we are spending a lot of time now thinking about how we can do that. Uh, do, on these sorts of offsites or bringing people into the office, doing a bit of training and saying, you work half a day and for the other half a day, it's, it's off to the pub or it's off to do an, a, 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 an event or a, an activity because keeping people bound together in, in our, our organization is, is very important. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, th th those are the sorts of things that we try and do. That sounds great. And you know what? And in this podcast series, we've not heard many people actually talk about activities with their colleagues. It's like we've just thought, well, let's abandon that, you know, because now we don't do that. But, you know, let's encourage that and have fun because I think fun is very binding, irrelevant of age. Um, and, and I, too, am also a fan of the colours. I myself am a yellow, okay. uh, a high yellow lit yeah. driven then uh, i'll give you the, the consequence which I, I look at my my co-host going yeah that makes sense <laughs> um but other one thing obviously you there's so much going on there with your organization and you have those challenges in terms of as you say with that 24 hours and i really like this approach around being individuals i mean 
I can get quite as a, as a woman of a certain age, if I'm assumed what I like and don't like is assumed by something, I can be like, you want to rally against that because I am an individual human. But but obviously you're doing all that work with all the face to faces and the things that you're looking at. But are there kind of, do you think, challenges with, with communication channels of preference? Are you seeing differences based? Is that just a need difference or is there a actually... A, a different set of preferences by diverse age cohorts whether that's do you use uh, you know any online channels digital tools or actually it doesn't matter um about the multi-generational or, or what are you finding with that kind of channel of communication that keeps that continuous dialogue going well every, everybody would like to think wouldn't they that young people use whatsapp and old people uh you know use the use use an old phone but of course that's not true at all and uh you know my uh, uh, 86-year-old mother loves WhatsApp and she's WhatsApping uh, you know, her family all the time. It's a communication channel. I've also got um, had some people that I've employed who are in their 20s who just don't like mobile phones. I mean, they're just, they don't like, they don't get on with technology. You know, they're, I had somebody I interviewed last week, actually, who's quite young and said, it's going to take me time to get used to the technology you use. I, I'm just not a technology person, but I'll get it in the end. Show it to me a number of times and I get it. Of course, it's not about age. It's about individual capabilities and preferences. And some people are in their 80s and brilliant on, uh, you know, the iPhone and using all the, 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 the social media and stuff like that. And some people are in their 20s and don't touch it. It's communication is it, the channel is. Uh, slightly irrelevant. It's around what works for that individual. Uh, of course, as a as an organisation, uh, we just think we've got to communicate, communicate, communicate more and more and more. Multi-channel, every channel. Some people blues love emails. I never read my emails. I always think, uh, you know, I do read from some people, but I almost think if it's really important, they'll call me, and I'll scan and I'll, I'll bit. And, and you get one of my um, project managers, who's very blue, saw my inbox the other day. And she was like, how can, how can you have and not filed 78,000 emails? Like, doesn't that keep you up at night? And I'm like, no, it doesn't at all. Because it, I, I don't need to know where, I, you know, I've read the ones that are important and stuff like that. And and I'm, I know that if it's really important, somebody's going to give me a go. And I communicate well with the, with the, with the telephone. Um, so it's one of those channels. Interestingly, we have been down the route of trying to get a social media type function for our entire organization. Facebook have a, 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 they used to have a Facebook business version. It didn't work because whilst everybody is on Facebook every day, they're on it for pleasure. They're not on it for work. They don't want to mix those channels. Um, so trying to find out where you know, how people are going to communicate face-to-face is really good. I think videos worked really well within our teams, huddles at the beginning of the day, uh, check-ins at the end of the day. Um, I particularly like, uh, you know, this has worked very well for me with Zoom, um, is, is I now, uh, I, I, I've had put in my diary everybody's birthday. And if it's somebody's birthday at the beginning of the day, I go onto Zoom, do a little recording and go, it's always the same. I hope that they, they don't hear it. It's always the same. It says, uh, I hope you are not getting this message today because you should have taken the uh, the day off, uh, have your feet up, uh, be surrounded by presents, fingers crossed, lots of cake and some champagne. 
I just wanted to tell you, blah, 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 blah. We value what you do, et cetera, et cetera. It takes me about three, three minutes. Click, finish and send. And again, it's like, it's just saying happy birthday. It's a human, you know, touch. You know, what, what can possibly go wrong with that? Um, just say thank you and happy birthday. And, and, you know, for a hundred people, I've done, you know, you do a hundred times a year. It's, it's, it's not particularly, um, you know, difficult to do. And those sorts of little, little things, I think, tell the staff that you, you care and it's a bit fun. And, uh, you know, it's a bit of a, and of course we've got all these tools. So did I think two years ago, I'd be using Zoom to send little video messages to people? Not at all, but I found it. I worked out how to use it. Um, and I now use it. Uh, you know, I, I, am I of that digital age? You know, I'm, you know, 56 years old and, you know, uh, sh- should be past that, but, but it's a channel. It works. Yeah. And, and therefore I find it effective and I use what's effective. So, so it's, it's very much not being prescriptive, is it? It's, uh, Jen, you said I'm an individual. You know, I, I do things my way and this is the way I like, but, I, I would really like to be communicated in this particular way. From an organization, communicate in every fashion as much as you can. You know, newsletters, uh, email, um, Zoom call-outs, uh, town halls. We, we do a, a staff um, survey twice a year. And in 30 years, every single survey has come back with, please communicate more. And we do it every time and it's never enough. People want to know, you know, people want to understand what's going on. The more they understand, the more they can understand their place within your organization. And I think, I think how people view anything in life is around the risks, but particularly if you're working for somebody where you don't have uh, necessarily uh, in charge of your destiny, you know, you're not quite sure that any information that you can glean gives you a picture into the future of what might be happening good or bad um and that is why i've also found by the way that when things are going really bad the more honest you are the less people leave if you try and cover it up they go anyway and they all they they go i'm off because it's it must be really bad because nobody's talking to me um and it's always surprised me that I want, it reminds me of a quote someone said to me uh, at an event pre-pandemic levels. They said, we can handle the truth. We just can't handle lies. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's it, you know, and that's about giving respect. It is. It's about valuing me as an individual, thinking I am competent enough and capable enough to deal with and process the information that you give me. You know, and I would, and I would always value honesty over, you know, gliding over things and and there's so much interesting i think multi-channel is right and i think that you know when we're thinking about multi-generational working i think that is their caution of don't be presumptuous of actually how our preferences and what our capabilities are understand our capabilities first and then lean into that so if i think about myself as i i prefer email i don't like social channels because for me that i need work in a box and i need personal in a box when there's two types of blend i find that more overwhelming but that's a personal style um so i think that there is a lot we talk about isn't there around getting to know our audiences again and really thinking about um their preferences so i guess do you think that do you ever hear of organizations making too do you think too many assumptions about communication and how optimally to serve people's preferences well was it <laughs> 
it's the bane of, is that an issue you know, you see? it's the bane of middle management isn't it and god bless them we wouldn't run our businesses without them but they like to processize everything and of course they want to stick stuff in boxes so if you can stick everybody into a box uh, then you can come up with a solution for this generation or that generation um and it's less work because you just say well uh, let's just take it that everybody over the age of you know 50 uh, likes to have you know email or phone, you know phone and 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 that's uh, patronizing and arrogant from the other side um you know we we all understand it i i've said more times than i care to remember to uh to to to, to our management about you know a particular individual who might be uh you know struggling or um not particularly performing well you know and they might be say well they just don't get it or they can't do this or they can't do that or you know don't is that the, this individual has a family. They are a mother with children. Trust me, they can do practically anything. What you're not doing is you're not looking at them as an individual, working out, A, what motivates them and drives them. You know, you probably need to give them more authority, not less. Nobody likes being micromanaged, and you're probably doing that. Um, you're not giving them enough responsibility, and that means you're not trusting them. And they're they're sitting there as a, you know, thirty-six-year-old mother of three. You're a twenty-five-year-old middle manager who's uh, you know run call centres or whatever, and they're they're sitting around going, "I will do what you say," but frankly, uh, if you gave me a little bit of uh, you know uh, headspace uh, and a little bit of brilliance, trust me, uh, you know, I could do this in my sleep. Um, so it is about stepping back and, and trying to say, well, let's not just try to processize it and find a model for everything. The model is, is respect each individual, find out what makes them tick, what, what motivates them, what they're in it for, what their drivers are, what makes them happy, what, what, you know, what, what, what's purposeful to them. Um, you know, and, and, and so Andrew, given the fact that we've said it's around individual needs and, only part of that is shaped by someone's age and stage in their lives. So I'm wondering now if perhaps we should even discard this whole thing around uh, different generations require different treatment about different generational cohorts. And maybe we should be thinking about how do we customize our channels to accommodate different styles, uh, different aptitudes, different requirements. Um, so uh, well, yeah. Absolutely. So here's here's an interesting piece, uh, you know, just a feedback. So I, I, I um, have been told and read for years that uh, the younger, the, you know, the young generation, the twenties, whatever, the Generation Z or whatever they are, you know, that they they uh, will swap jobs. They'll move from one job to another. They are not long stayers. They're definitely not job for life. Well, that's not my experience at all. My experience is is that if you understand where their needs are at any particular point and you treat them well. And you treat them with respect, they will stay because their needs are exactly the same as our needs were when we were their age. Get out of home, out of my parents, uh, find uh, something that I'm good at, that I enjoy, that I can make some money. Hopefully, you know, find somebody that I can uh, go out with, potentially marry, maybe even have a family with. Uh, find a house that, uh, you know, is going to fulfill my aspirations and needs settle down and uh, have a, have an enjoyable and comfortable life this is this has been the same for for millennia and the, the 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 base drivers are exactly the same in our youngsters as as they were when we were that age what's changed is uh the context in which they live yeah, they live in a 
uh, we lived in a world of the first color television sets and stuff like that and radio and the move from vinyl to, uh, to, to digital. They live in a world of social media and all the sorts of things that come, that come along with that. But their core needs are exactly the same. And if as employers, we can align our needs with their needs, they'll stay. Uh, you know, and, and we've got, we've got, uh, lots of examples of, um, you know, uh, people who have come in to us on the first job and are, are with us through motherhood and, you know, almost out the other side. I mean, you know, if it would be going 30 years and I, my longest standing person's, you know, 20, 25 years. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that, that, you know, it's not that they weren't ambitious or brilliant. They're fantastic. Uh, you know, but we've aligned our individual needs as their life has changed. Um, and, uh, you know, I always say, you know, I mean, obviously we're a small boutique and not a massive organization, but, um, you know, I think if you align cultures and you get the right fit, you know, then we're almost a safety blanket for people because they know, they know what life is like with you. Whereas outside of the, 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 the work world, you've got all sorts of things you can't control and relationships and chaos and kids and, you know, all this, but, but work core values. I know what they are. I know how I'm going to be treated. I know, I know where that line is. You know, it's really easy to understand. And, uh, I, I you know, I, I found that that has played, you know, in all of our favors, actually. Uh, thank you very much. Um, we're, we're coming to land now, but thank you for, for your, for your thoughts. I think you've basically suggested to us that this whole idea of intergenerational working is a, probably the wrong focus and that it's about individual needs. <laughs> not, not age, which is something also would be helpful with me talking to my three daughters when they accuse me of being old and out of touch. I can say it's not my age that makes me out of touch, it's just me. I think the other things about it is that <laughs> but you've also exactly. said exactly. Exactly. Well we all see Yeah. Sorry Dom, I was gonna say we all see the world through our own eyes, don't we? And and what's important to us and and uh yeah. But no, I, I think building on that anyway, sorry. Your idea about aligning individual needs with business needs is crucially important. I think something that as communicators, we can really help organizations do. And I think the more we can make that case to leaders as well. And the fact that we also need to have those values. And I think what you were saying about values have to be lived and seem to be lived. So it's those behaviors which are much more important than than worrying about someone's age. So I think it goes back to the point Kat made at the start. There's perhaps age is just a number. So thank you very much indeed for, 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 for great insight. My pleasure. Thanks again, Andrew. All right. Thank you very much indeed. Take care now. Thanks for listening today. This episode has been brought to you by the Institute of Internal Communication and was hosted by myself, Jen Sproul, Kat Barnard and Dominic Walters. This episode was produced by Jessica Williams and Shabi Tulu-Ogunpalu. And if you enjoyed this episode today, we'd be enormously grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe on the channel you use to tune in to help others know that we're here. Hopefully you'll tune in again next time.